0: Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. In this episode, I moderated a discussion between Olivia Mickelson, Lead Experience Designer at Deloitte, and Ryan Geyer, the Chief Product Officer for Deloitte's Converge Banking Suite. Together, we delve deep into the world of UI and UX and its pivotal role within the realm of financial services. Our conversation revolved around the intricate balance between customer experience and technological innovation. Olivia introduced us to Deloitte's Balanced Breakthrough Method, which provides a structured approach to prioritize desirability, feasibility, and viability when creating new banking experiences. She stressed the importance of truly understanding customer desires, needs, and pain points, offering valuable insights into their methodology. Ryan emphasized that in a rapidly evolving landscape, banks must adapt and integrate with fintech companies rather than compete against them. He discussed the need for enhancing customer service, contextual guidance and the role of generative AI in taking the customer experience to the next level. We explored the significance of personalized experiences and the bedrock of trust in financial services, concluding that technology, including generative AI, should ultimately serve to make customers feel seen and comfortable within this environment. Overall, our discussion shed light on the ever-changing dynamics of the banking industry and the crucial role of technology In enhancing customer experiences while building and maintaining trust. This is episode three in a four-part podcast series we're doing with Deloitte. To get the other episodes in the series or to access a transcript of this one, go to tearsheet.co. Here's my conversation with Ryan and Olivia. Hey Olivia, who are you and what do you do?
1: Hi, yes, I'm Olivia Mickelson, and I'm a lead experience designer at Deloitte. So essentially, what I do is talk to people to understand their wants, needs, and pain points for new experiences and solutions.
0: Great, and welcome to the Tear Sheet Podcast, Ryan. Thank who you. are you, and what do you do? Yeah, it's
2: it's great to meet you, Zach. My name is Ryan Geyer. I'm the Chief Product Officer for Deloitte's Converge Banking Suite. So I get the fun job of sitting between you know the convergence of our professional services firm all the mental horsepower you'd expect from Deloitte and then the hardcore products framework of a full stack digital bank. So part of the uh, digital banking leadership
0: team here at Deloitte and definitely excited to talk to you today. And welcome to the podcast as well. So we're just going to jump right into UI UX and and how to design winning UI UX and financial services. Olivia, we'll start with you. Where does UI UX and, and customer experience fit in the overall digital journey for banks? It feels like it's a little bit of chicken or the egg, right?
1: Yeah, definitely a bit of the chicken or the egg. Um, But at Deloitte, uh, what we try to focus on is something called the balanced breakthrough method. And so really what this helps us understand for banks and new solutions is where should we start and why? So typically we like to start with the, the, the... excuse me, we like to start with the desirability lens. Um, So that's really just asking, do people want this experience? And so once we understand that simple question, it helps us further define the need and how we're gonna solve for that matter. Um, So for example, in COVID-19, This was a time where technology and new banking solutions specifically really came to the forefront of the experience. Um, So different user groups who are maybe less familiar with technology needed to interact with it. And through varieties of qualitative and quantitative research methods, we were actually able to distill in a specific example that onboarding and the UX, UI patterns and journey moments there were the key moments for gaining the initial customer trust. And often it's actually overlooked. It's looked as a pop-out experience or just getting people into the platform. But that was really the winning moment. Um, So that's an example where desirability and talking to the customer is one moment where you can really gain um, that initial trust and understanding of what you should design. We can't forget about feasibility. So the technology and also the viability. So those are the two other components of the balance breakthrough method. Um, So those are really more so answering um, what is it worth and how will we build it. Um, and how can we actually put it to market? So we typically try to balance those three areas across the journey. We might have a bit more weight at the beginning at the customer experience, but as we look to distill into an MVP, then we really do bring in that um, technology and viability lens there. So it's a bit cyclical and hence the chicken and the egg.
2: Yeah, I, I think you know Olivia made a really good point there. It's all customer focused at the beginning. Do they need it? Do they want it? Does this actually serve a purpose? I think you know. In the old school, it seems
0: like such a simple framework, but very powerful, right? uh, Yeah, and it it resonates
2: absolutely. It resonates really well with everyone from you know the top line executive down to an analyst. You know, typing in user stories or requirements, and you know, at the end of the day, I think within banking, historically, it's hey, I have this really cool technology tool. Great. What am I going to do with it? Right. And so there's this like this a
0: solution looking for a problem type thing. hundred
2: mm-hmm. percent. And this just helps us really focus on what am I building? How do I get hyper-specific? How do I personalize experiences? I know we'll get there uh, a little bit later in the conversation, but ultimately I don't want any of the additional spend or operational costs associated with experiences that aren't going to be used. Um, and, you know, the worst case we could find is a tool that is, Used for technology's sake, so you know, in your words, a solution looking for a problem that has a huge operational cost, that has a ton of overhead, and nobody knows how to use it.
0: I'm, I'm kind of curious if I can double click on this. Like, is um, this type of, at least in the technology realm, uh, focus on on the listening component piece? Is this? It seems to me it's it's, it's the lifeblood of of technology companies. In financial services, are are they as attuned to that um, where it comes to technology?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that they are getting there. And there's so many different types of customer research that I've personally seen being launched with digital banks and more so historical banks as well. Um, A lot of it even distills down to what type of technology should we be focusing on? Is it an integration for something that already exists? Is it the platform or the form factor? Um, So going back to that onboarding example, we had done research to understand which platform were users regardless of age um, on a native mobile app when they were doing banking interactions, were they on their desktop? And we did about a 300 person study and learned about 70% of customers are interacting with the native app. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was a great research point to learn that that should really be our priority and we can build out the other experiences later, but really looking to cater towards the majority of the customer base.
0: That makes a lot of sense. so so how should banks think about their experience and should they focus on one area and do it really well or kind of, you know, take a, a broader approach and and think about like the overall offering?
1: Yeah. I think that's a great question and it ultimately does tie back to who is your target audience. So what I was just explaining with the 300 person study. Um so ultimately when I lead research or I'm looking to dive into research, one of the questions I'm looking to answer is are Are customers ultimately looking to extend the product set that they have, so focusing on breadth for a single company, or are they looking to enhance um, the current products that they own? So do they just want really great benefits with maybe a credit card or a debit card that they have through their bank, or are they looking to extend their banking services to loans or other areas of facilitation? Um, so research again really helps inform that that answer. Um, but ultimately, if I had to give a single answer, there, it would be to grow with your customers rather than to um, grow beyond them or outgrow them.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's needing to be with your customers plus one, just that you know, grow and, and push at the same time. I think using the same framework, it's don't outgrow your technology, don't we have to be specific on what's the customer problem we're solving and what are the tools necessary to deliver that component of the experience. And I think there's that parallel path of making sure the bank, you know, that we can get from CapEx to OpEx very quickly that we can, uh, have the right tech components being built at the right time to deliver those experiences. And it all comes back to that desirability lens that we focused on, uh, initially in the conversation. But, um, it, it really is building out that offering. But at the end of the day, customers expect a lot, uh, as they should, right? And I think one of the things that we're starting to see in the market more and more, especially within the executive teams that we interact with, it's that uh, there is this broad understanding. I think, you know, one is that technology is matured quite a bit. Two is that uh, everyone is on their phones a little bit more, right? Whether we like it or not, it's not just the young kids on there. Uh, Nokia playing Snake, you know, (laughs) like we we would have a long time ago. Uh, And then three, of course, COVID and and just the way the world works with remote work. There's an understanding that these experiences matter at a very deep level. And so, again, this is all about customer expectations and that uh, that framework that, you know, Olivia had outlined, um, moving forward in a way that makes the most sense for our customers while we build uh, within our own technology stack.
0: I appreciate yeah. that. And it sounds like there's um almost a dynamic tension there. Um, listening to customers and hearing what they want deeply. And as you said, their expectations have grown, but also they're not necessarily aware of what's right around the corner. They don't they couldn't necessarily name it. So like yeah. being on that edge of of listening to them and doing what they want really well, but also, like you said, leading them and pushing them in a certain direction too, right? Yep. Right.
1: I think the small business segment is one that's really interesting on that customer expectation. I know I need something, but I don't know what I I necessarily want. Um, We learned that in a recent research study, especially after COVID 67% of small businesses actually transferred to using a FinTech um, offering rather than one of their traditional banks, just because they were looking to expand their product offerings and their needs. And there's often, um, a a core need with small businesses where they don't have a lot of cash on hand. And so credit and credit lending becomes such a a high pain point for them. Um, So a lot of the customer expectations that we see with that group as well is really stretching towards what are those opportunities and where can I interact with my bank moving forward? I don't know what I want, but I know that I need that and what can it look like?
0: That makes a lot of sense. Help me. Uh, Ryan, let's, let's go back to you. Um, I want to pivot a little bit and, and look forward um, where do you see most disruption coming from that may impact the way end customers interact with their bank? And yeah. you know, in a similar vein, how should banks think about this to, in terms of preparation?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think the answer that we keep circling around is context is everything, right? So we need to make sure we're delivering those highly personalized experiences in a way that customers find valuable. And one point that Olivia just made about uh, customers pivoting to fintechs, banks shouldn't be afraid of fintechs, right? We need to figure out the best way to prepare to integrate with fintechs. I think everything from payments to insights that we serve up to customers, to how we interact with a debit or credit card, which are now highly brandable moments. You look at market leaders like Amex at that. It's not just a credit card, it's a highly brandable moment. Um, Greenlight does the same thing for kids and, and younger accounts. I think thinking through the entire customer journey from brand, into delivering these experiences is critical. Uh, we have to understand uh, what our customers want and need, and, and I won't belabor that point. We've made it here a few times, but I think in the future, to prepare, you're going to see a lot of dynamic pricing. Um, you'll see product bundling across not only banking but wealth management, insurance. You know, I think the leaders, the market leaders in this space, are going to do really good a really good job at. Uh, delivering new product propositions that combine dynamic rates from the market, but also context uh, from their customers. Where do they live? What do they drive? What are they spending in their transactional accounts? That's all from a customer standpoint and understanding them. I think from a technology standpoint, again, we shouldn't be afraid of fintech, but we need to be focused on full-stack transformation. So real-time payments don't help me if I don't have a real-time core. So understanding how to get off of a uh, legacy core or mainframe into a more dynamic uh, core system is important. Uh, Real-time stack throughout the uh, real-time integrations throughout the product stack is important. Ultimately, one one of the things we deliver with Bank Fabric at uh, Converge Banking Suite is uh, really plugging into all of these fintechs that a customer would want. So to Olivia's point, they're going to a fintech because they deliver uh, payments better. Square does a really good job at the point of sale, for instance. That doesn't mean a bank should be afraid of them. How do we integrate with them? How do we get that transaction account from our core to integrate with uh, with Square, for instance? How do we serve that up on a unified customer experience? I think that's really how uh, banks should approach this problem and uh, go from a customer standpoint all the way through the stack.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point there. I think the two things that um, really stood out to me in that summary and where we are going to see disruption is one, just the speed that customers are expecting. So in the past few years, there's just been such an expectation for how technology is working for us. Um, And then the other is just the moments where we'll interact and encounter these these um, banking opportunities. So Amazon now has connections with buy now, pay later services. So the embedded finance aspect, and we're going to start seeing a lot more retail and banking opportunities coming together.
0: You know, just to this point, you know, in our coverage over, over a decade, I would say when, when FinTech's really on their ascendancy in the early days, like there was a narrative about us versus them, you know, and it was like, but it was yeah. clear at that point that the future would have to be together. And I think that that's what you're saying. It's it's not only embedded finance, it's embedded fintech. It's bringing those fintechs back into a bank's core and integration and, and being able to work together, which which plays the both parties' strengths, really. That's right.
2: Yeah, it, it plays their strengths, but it also it gives you scale that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I think, <clears throat> pardon me, that, that scale and that speed to market, I know those are buzzwords. I know we all talk about them. But if I let uh, a fintech handle my card, uh, all of my card fulfillment, card integration, card controls, et cetera, I can focus much more of my effort on delivering the overall experience around those card controls or around whatever it is that fintech is doing. And I think you know we're seeing banks embrace that role. I think we are seeing fintechs embrace that role. To your point, Zach, um, ultimately, the bank should control the customer experience. and. End of the day, all that should matter is, yes, CapEx matters. Yes, OpEx matters. Yes, operations and viability matters. We need to build products that make money for our banks and our our top line. But at the end of the day, if our customers are unhappy, that's not going to be a good outcome for anyone. So let banks focus on personalizing, understanding, and knowing their customers. And then we fill in uh, those technology needs where we can.
0: Makes sense to me. Um, Ryan, back to you. Um, yeah. We can't go a podcast nowadays without talking about generative AI. It seems to be right. uh, coloring yeah. a lot of our conversations. Um, yeah. And of course, you know it's early, and and there's big promises being made across all different types of industries and sectors. H- how do you anticipate generative AI influencing banking experiences specifically?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, there will be no more banking experiences because we will all be you know looped into the matrix. But no, it, it's certainly a buzzword, right? Um, but in order to focus, and we've, we've seen this before, right? We, we've seen buzzwords come along. I, I think in order to focus the problem set, uh, we have to remember that finances are inherently emotional, right? So from the most underbanked to the highest of the upper high net worth, money is emotional and any tool that we have should be considered through that customer lens. What problem am I solving? How do I deliver it? Does somebody even want it, right? And you know, I think one area that we are particularly excited in, that we are already working on, we've got active POCs now, are doing the simple things really, really well. Uh, and one of the simple things that, regardless of whether we want to talk about it or not, is customer service. And it's not just call centers, right? But wherever I am uh, within an app or a platform or uh, if I'm on the web or even if I'm in a branch, if I reach out for that help button, and that help button could be anything—could be a chat, it could be a phone call, it could be a conversation with someone—the context should come with me. So, you know, the context isn't just, oh, they were on this screen when they pressed the help button. Yeah, that's important. But what was the transact? What's the transaction history of the last call? It seventy-two hours. Where am I? Am I in? Uh, I am I on the East Coast and there's a hurricane coming? Am I? Uh, Was I in a car accident? Did I just submit a claim? Or was it a simple overdraft because of one of a thousand reasons? I think the context and understanding who that customer is and where they are, we talked about dynamic pricing earlier. There should also be um, dynamic ways that we interact with people when they call us. So if there's an overdraft, but it's the first overdraft in a very, very long time, let's bring that fraud risk with us. Let's bring that credit risk with us. To Olivia's point, small businesses need credit. And let's make a decision potentially for the customer's favor in that. If uh, I am in the middle of a hurricane, for instance, and something happens with my transactional account or I've lost my card, how can I very quickly deliver a virtual card you know, like that to where it's not a, a three-day rush to an address that may or may not be there, or I may or may not be at that address when that happens? So, Delivering just contextual uh, help and support, doing those little things very, very well, that takes a very stressful conversation uh, and makes it very simple. Uh, I think another way that you know generative AI can help in that dynamic pricing, in that dynamic bundling, we have to contextualize what we're selling and how we're selling it, right? If, if I'm a user and you just put up a, a new interest rate for me, sure, that might be exciting, I may look at it, I might click into it. But if you can tell me what that interest rate does for me in the context of what I have elsewhere, or if you're going to tell me, hey, let's consolidate some debt or let's consolidate these loans or let's consult, let's sweep these transaction accounts into a high yield savings, because it will get you one, two, three, right? So I think Gen AI can also help us solve for outcomes much better. You know, I hearken back to. I, I, my team is tired of me saying this, but Spotify's new DJ feature is awesome, right? Not that, not that there wasn't a DJ feature, not that there's, you know, I, I like to think I'm somewhat technologically relevant. I know how to shuffle songs, right? But to have someone talk to you and say, Hey, you were listening to this back in 2017, here they are. Like, there's just these little moments of context that surprise and delight. We need to be able to do that financial services. So it's it's making things, it's doing the simple things very very well, uh, and it's delivering whatever it is that we're going to deliver hyper contextually and telling them what it's going to do for you. I think those are really good use cases to start. Yes, we'll get into contextual guidance. I don't think wealth managers need to be uh, nervous yet. Right? That's always the big question: Is this going to replace my wealth manager? No, it's not. Uh, Not right away, at least. And, And I think. Just doing the little things well, contextualizing the conversation, and uh, ultimately understanding what problem I'm delivering to my customers, or solution rather, and what problem I'm solving.
0: Yeah, it sounds yeah. like there's there's a major impact on saying um, customers feeling like you see them, you need, and yeah. using technology is a great way to do that. Olivia, I'd like I'd like to hear your vantage point on this.
1: Yeah, I think Ryan made a great point about saying banking really is truly personal experience. So everybody has a different perspective of how they're interacting with it. And I think creating those moments of delight are really important and AI can help do that as well. So repetition often is the biggest pain point and hinders trust within the relationship. So am I repeating this information? I think that was a great example of how we can can use AI to drive moments of delight there. So 87% of clients in a survey of 300 mentioned that trust with their bank really would make them take other recommendations and other offerings. So can we actually use that saving them from repetition to build on their product offering, their product set, and give them those really contextual reasons why. I think also just the self-service perspective is helpful. Like how can I answer my own questions, not at the large scale as Ryan mentioned, with wealth management, but how can I do my own research? Um, in recent interviews that I've been leading, I heard that customers are starting to use AI to answer questions that they might go to YouTube or blogs for. So making that more of an integrated experience within even the, blank, the banking platform itself um, so they can do their own research with the company and really expand their, their knowledge um, and expectations and ultimately product sets.
0: Wow that's really powerful like what's old is new also like trust underscoring trust yeah. like at the end of the day that's that's financial services is predicated on on trust and you know whether right. it's AI or it's any other technology it still comes down to customers feeling comfortable and safe within this environment
2: Well that's right and I think also you can't talk about generative AI without talking about data and data science and you know an easy way to lose trust with a customer is to ask them 37 times in the same conversation what their address is,
0: right? Like- Who are you? (laughs) I've already
2: verified myself, right? And I I understand verification, I get security, I I understand it. But again, how can I use the tools that we have to verify as we need? And then how can we contextualize that for customers? Like, hey, I, I know you've already, something as simple as, hey, I know you've already done this. Because I'm asking you a different set of questions, I need one more verification. Something like that is is very simple and delivers trust at a higher level to say, I know, you know that I know that you know this, <laughs> right? It's, it's something very simple. And the Gen AI piece, you know, while we focus on the customer there, Gen AI is also very important for the people on the phone or for the people on the branch. Like, what context can I give them so that they can increase the customer's experience with whatever it is that they're going through at that moment? and just understanding data, we have all this data about our customers, having access to it contextually, and then delivering it at the right time so that we can deliver better outcomes. I think it's critical to understand, and we have to focus on those things. You know, the the earlier question we keep hearing about this. It's it's the buzzword. Yes, Gen AI doesn't mean we have to have uh, you know Chat GPT in every app. It's not what it means. What it means is we can deliver better outcomes to our customers and frankly, save a lot of operational costs in the back end for the bank.
1: Yeah, Ryan, that point on the name is such a good perspective. I think when I was doing research a few years ago, personalization really captured just seeing my name in the app. So welcome, Olivia, to this banking experience and Gen AI and the technology that we have now can really promote those more so dedicated um, personalization experiences, which ultimately will drive customer engagement and give Ryan a great point as well um, the sales and the banking banking teams more knowledge to be um, more helpful employees.
0: Well, this is Zach Miller, a real life human being. And I appreciate Olivia and Ryan, you joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
2: Yeah, likewise. Thanks for coming, Zach.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Zach. It's been great.